This is Connor. This is Paul. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Silver Screamers, Screamers, your decade crapping, <laughs> genre rouletting film podcast. Where the fuck you been? Podcast. struggling here now to get these <laughs> there's loads of nice little lines in this film but none of them fit podcasts and there was the like oh do we need oh we need 11 guys for this job is 10 enough guys for this job 10 ought to do don't you think you think we need one more you I'll think we one need more. one more all right we'll get one more and i was like how can i fit podcasts in there well was there not anything else and then there's like oh does he make you laugh and then julie roberts says no but he doesn't make me cry well, that's a good line but he doesn't make you podcast yeah I guess so <laughs> okay okay so you say to me does you he make start you laugh again? no we'll just, we'll just we'll just add this in go does he make you oh sorry okay you say to me does he make you laugh does he make you laugh he doesn't make me podcast <laughs> yeah it's not great you see slim pickings oh with this god insert podcast here yeah welcome to Silver Screamers <laughs> Welcome to Silver Screamers. Look, some films just dip podcasts at the end of sentences. <laughs> some films fit that little bit better than others, and Ocean's Eleven, uh, despite its many charms, doesn't just doesn't fit into that. I thought you'd pick up on me saying you're a uh, decade crapping. Why? Well, because I thought you might be like crapping. What the fuck is crapping? And then I'd be all interesting and say, "Oh, well, craps. You know, it's the it's the game in the casino." No, I didn't know that, that was a thing. Oh, well, there you go. What is it? craps it's where you throw the dice up against the in uh, up against the on the table and then like you get snake eyes or whatever no oh, okay i didn't know that I've, I've never enjoyed any form of gambling i'm far too tight with my money i'm like why would i put two euro on the lotto when i could get a chocolate bar <laughs> so <Far> too sensible <laughs> far too I, mean. I remember one time we went to the leisureplex and uh in tala and I think we played bowling. This is when Are you we talking were, about you and me? No, no. Oh. Uh, myself and friends back when we were teenagers or something. And our friend Aiden loved the... <laughs> ASMR? But anyway, we were in the leisureplex and we had played the bowling and our friend Aiden kept putting... Like, he, he went to... You know those machines where you put, like, 20p the in? The machines or the slot machines? No, you put 20p in and then there's these... Uh, Oh sweet yeah, yeah, things yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of push out money, and he kept putting his money in. I was like, "You're fucking not winning." But that's only, at least that's only twenty cent, and at least there's a bit of a thrill in watching. Oh, yeah, like three times, and then maybe I, I I could never understand fruit machines. Oh yeah, just total total <laughs> luck. A few years ago, I had a friend visiting from America, and we brought her to Bray for the day. Uh, <laughs> And Bray is kind of like the Vegas of <laughs> of Ireland. Oh, yeah, okay. And there was, it was about three in the afternoon on a lovely sunny day. And we went into this dank, I mean, the word casino is <laughs> would casino. be used lately. What and would like you call an, it? An, an amusements. It was just fruit machines, though. And yeah. blackjack tables and, oh, and well, stuff. I it was a casino, I suppose. But like, it was the same size as our downstairs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, black, and it was just like about eight or nine middle-aged to elderly ladies just like cha-ching and then just putting more in cha-ching just literally yeah, like zombies yeah. you know I'd walk past Dr. Quirky's and that's all 
like that's all slot machines too that has arcade machines as well though right yeah I think so but uh, well maybe it's not Dr. Quirky's but it's like one of these casino-y places and you know they're very clever because they they they've set it up so that the lighting is such that you don't realize the passage of time so there's no natural light Mm -hmm. and there's all this kind of psychology behind it but I always kind of like I have a sneak peek in but I can't bring myself to go in because I just oh you've never been to Dr. Quirky's no I've been I think it's I think it's a bit um, a bit dodge bit dodge but not even the dodge just a bit sad or something (laughs) I just feel like literally mentioning a specific business (laughs) Uh, maybe we'll edit out the bit like just put a doctor beep It's not even that one. It's just any of them, you know. And they don't have the glamour that we see on screen in Ocean's Eleven. No, do they? they don't. <laughs> and I'm sure if you go to, I've never been to Las Vegas, but I'm sure if you go there, like it's a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as well, people go on a holiday and they they bring a set amount of money with them, and you know that's and that's if they lose it, so be it. Yeah. Kind of. Do you know when sometimes you go to a chipper? particularly in rural Ireland you don't see this in Dublin and sometimes there'll just be this sad looking fruit machine in the corner yeah there's, there's a few down here in is Irish there? Way. yeah there's in the one down in our local one have you ever used one of them? no no that, have you ever has. seen anyone using one? I think one? I have maybe once seen somebody standing at it while they were waiting for their chips I mean I guess it's clever like while people wait 10 minutes for their or sausage <laughs> I think they're very they're very kind of you put money in you push a button and see what happens oh like, yeah but, that, that, but some of them can get quite co- some of those machines can get quite complicated with like playing cards and poker yeah. and all sorts of stuff but I've never had any interest in them no no I uh, do find I do think if I went to Vegas though in the, in the casino it'd be nice to put a chip down and then throw the dice and you know sit at a blackjack table where the tuxedo hit me where the tuxedo where the tuxedo I could be linking you smoking jacket and you know order a martini or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's something glamorous about it yeah we should do that sometime yeah our friend Yvonne friend of the podcast previous podcaster she has a shout out to Yvonne she wants us all to go to Vegas for our fourth year that's like mm. that's like in a year for me and ten for mm, you. Or something. There you are. She wants <laughs> that. Um, well, for our so yeah, you'll be forty-two. Oh, for oh for our. So I'm not part of the gang I mean, in terms uh, of well, age. Yeah, and yeah, fine, we whatever. all went to school together mm. and we all grew up together, and we're all turning forty within like six months. So at some stage in that year, it'll be nice to go. Do you know the way we normally do movie news? Yeah, I don't really have anything particularly interesting and I think this is quite a meaty film and we it's also part of a franchise in which we've researched it so I'm going to suggest that we skip movie news this week and maybe you've researched unless it. you have some I have just watched the movies and I was I was outside before we started this and I was thinking what the fuck happened in that Ocean's 8 again and they they blend in together because they're all the same essentially I mean, the same story with a few changes kind of thing uh I don't think they all are, but oceans. Okay, okay. So, well, what are, what do you tell the people what they're listening to, Con? <laughs> After all that bladder. <laughs> You're listening to Silver Screamers. Silver Screamers is our film podcast where we pick a theme or a genre and dissect four films in that theme or genre uh, from different decades. And this week we are covering Ocean's Eleven in our heist series. And uh, we didn't really say this in the last episode, uh, but we're, we're covering the. 2001 version yes which is we tried to look at the 1960 whatever version but we couldn't yeah but I think we always intended on doing covering the 2001 version a lot of people I reckon a lot of people don't even realise that's a remake um, of a 1969 
1960. Whatever, we didn't watch it anyway. 60s anyway. And uh, I think it's the this is the type of remake I think that that Hollywood should concentrate on where there's a film with a fun premise that just didn't quite hit the mark on its release and it hasn't really been remembered and then you know a couple of generations later you can bring this to a new audience and refresh it rather than doing you know all these disney remakes and nearly every we're living in a world of remakes now no i think that's i think i agree because like i don't i think the 1960s wasn't great no it hasn't gotten great reviews online and i think possibly I don't know who's where I heard this criticism. Maybe it was maybe you said it, but um, that it was more about the Rat Pack. Yeah, you know, it was basically a bit the, of a, yeah, a was, promotion. Yeah. For, it was like the Spice World film. Yeah, here's the Rat Pack, and aren't they kind of you know yeah, gangster? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then coming back to that later on and saying, oh yeah, let's let's remake that rather than having a perfect film like The Lion King. Yeah, just throw it out there. Which it doesn't didn't need to be. No, it was perfect, remade and was ultimately very disappointing. And was remade into something worse. It was objectively worse. It was like there was yeah. no yeah. There's no reason why anyone would ever watch the new version of The Lion King when the old one still exists. Yeah, and like remakes are coming out all the time now. So I think get some films from thirty years ago that didn't quite work that maybe have completely been forgotten about and give inject a bit of life into them and don't just remake them literally just take the essence of them and make a new story which is exactly what these guys did Mm -hmm. and i even feel with this whole franchise with the oceans franchise there is a real nod to the 1960s I think a lot of the music is actually kind of 60s yeah, influenced. It's completely and, 60s. Yeah. And, and like, it has a style about it. And all the characters are all very suave, very yeah. Rat Pack-esque. And uh, Ruben, who's played by Monica and Ross's dad. Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould. Like, he's got these big frame glasses, which is very kind of hmm. 60s, 70s kind of yeah. style. Yeah, almost Elton Johnny. Yeah, and as well. Brad Pitt. He's got his big ass collars over his, his big jackets. Yeah, he looks fabulous. Yeah, he looks good. Um, we watched all of the new generation of the Oceans <laughs> films. <laughs> that sounded a bit cre- He looks fabulous. <laughs> I just wonder if that came across. I don't know when we listened to this back. That came across a bit creepy. He's like, he looks fabulous. He really looked good. Brad Pitt looks fabulous. Um, we're going to spoil all these films, FYI. So if you care, there's Emma. there's your warning. Uh, <laughs> So we watched all these films as a kind of a um, to just kind of catch up on the franchise and kind of feel that we knew where we were coming from. I had seen all these apart from the, the newest one, Ocean's Eight, but I had no memory of nearly all of them. I don't think I had seen Ocean's Thirteen with Al Pacino. Yeah, I saw that on a plane. But do you know when you're so tired? when you're on a plane and I'm very, I I'm was like I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna I was like I'm definitely gonna stay up for this I'm definitely gonna stay up for this and I must have drifted off because I remember when the credits came I was like wait they haven't done the heist yet though in my defense that film doesn't have a very definite start of the heist I kind of feel like Ocean's 13 is like a constant montage of them doing heisty things until there's a lot going on oh my and god the heist is more in that one the heist is more they make him lose a lot of money. The The main heist for them is... Him losing. Well, the main heist for them is getting the diamonds. So Ocean's 13 has Ruben, who is the financier, is screwed out of it. He's given a dirty deal by Al Pacino. Yeah. 
and he has some and he has a bit of a heart attack or something oh yeah and he has a heart attack <laughs> he's like he's like a hollywood damsel he's like so distraught he's <laughs> like oh and he is a bit of a dandy yeah is he gay i have no idea i kind I of does it they never outwardly say it but there's a bit of coding there i can see him being a gay character <laughs> but anyway, not that fainting <laughs> is <Yeah>. a gay <laughs> quality <laughs> but anyway oh. so he faints and uh, and then al pacino is also launching a new casino yeah and danny and rusty and the whole gang get back together to to basically screw him out of it and they also tie in terry benedict who's andy garcia who's a bad guy in the first film so they need money essentially Oh, he's the financier in that he's film? He's the financier, yeah. Okay. And then he says, well, I'll help you, but only if you also steal these diamonds. And yeah. they're like, oh. So, and they, they succeed. So the diamonds, the significance of the diamonds is that uh, Al Pacino's character has opened dozens or whatever of these very extravagant hotels around the world. And every time he opens one, uh, these hotel reviewers come and he gets the highest rating possible, which is the five diamond award. Right, okay. So he has all these diamonds who are these like raters that can afford to give hotels diamond i think really it, well i don't know if you get the diamond necklace but oh uh, oh there's can, absolutely there's reviews a fire, there's, yeah. a, there's a there's a diamond five diamond rating oh, i assume it's like the the equivalent of the um michelin star but for hotels yeah but just like like they have the funding to like just, just like 20 million dollars <laughs> these diamond yeah. necklaces um but oh my god that film has so much happening in it yeah, there's oh, a, there's a lot it, it's on. just I'm I spent the entire film just being like, hang on. So you got you got the hotel rev- the real hotel reviewer who's getting his time sabotaged so that he's going to give a bad review. Yeah, so they've arranged for the the hotel reviewer to have a shit stay, and they she's <laughs> they're horrible to him. They uh, they poison they give him food poisoning. They, I think they do. They put ants in his bed or something. Bed mites, bed bed bugs, bugs. He gets uh, you know a, a rash from something. Oh, and, I think that's the bed bugs. Yeah. And you know the, the the staff are being the staff who are planted are being really rude, and they tell him he has to get out and all this kind of stuff. And but he he gets he wins like so then they arrange for him yeah, to yeah, yeah, to yeah. win like a <laughs> <Yeah>. million dollars. <laughs> so okay, so you got him. Then you also got Saul, who's kind of the pretending to be him. So he's got this kind yeah. of flirtatious re- relationship with Al Pacino. Then you got the amazing Yen, the Asian guy who's pretending to be some rich Asian monarch, I guess. Uh, and he's not a, no, he's 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 a. Uh, He's a construction d- designer, architect. He's some wealthy yeah. person. And then Matt Damon is pretending to be his first Concierge man. Yeah, or yeah. Who's got this stupid yeah. false nose. nose. And then he seduces Al Pacino's kind of right hand lady. And then you got this st- subplot with a drill. And then you got there's just subplots going on all over the, the show. Yeah, so they. they w- Brad Pitt goes in and says, oh, this, you know, your hotel's very unstable. Mm. You know, if something happens, if something happens, the whole place will come crashing down. It'll be a disaster. And so then they arrange for a drill to affect the hotel make in some a, way. Make a earthquake, earthquake, which seems irresponsible. Ah. <laughs> uh, and then you got Don Cheadle playing like an evil Knievel type character. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's just got. I kind of feel that when they were making this, it was a last hurrah, and then they just said, "Let's go they totally let's just crazy." Throw everything in the pot, and they got Al Pacino, which is a big coup. 
t- uh, Julie Roberts didn't come back from this and oh my god this film needed more female characters yeah. this was I mean that the only female character was the one Matt Damon seduces and she was a train wreck and they humiliate her at the end yeah. but they mention like eight times of women of a certain age even though she's like among the average age of the cast <laughs> but like they, they mention like three or four times like oh women of a certain age I didn't notice that yeah the, when she's when your Matt when Matt Damon is supposedly found out, your the the policeman who turns out to be Matt Damon's father says to her, "Oh, he specialises in seducing women of a certain age." Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It was fine. It, yeah. Yeah. Ocean's Twelve. I saw in the cinema, and I was really excited because I had really liked Ocean's Eleven, and I remember being. Do you remember when I said uh, for your next? I saw it originally expected it to be crap and loved it therefore my second viewing i was expecting to love it and was a bit disappointed Mm. this was a bit the opposite i saw this in the cinema and really was disappointed so i was expecting to hate it and when i saw it this time around i was like oh it's okay it was okay it wasn't it wasn't great no there's not uh, it's kind of pointless as well yeah i don't like i'm trying to remember now so in the second one in the first one which we'll talk about um, Terry Benedict owns casinos and they rip him off Hmm. and he finds them at the start of the second one and says you owe me all my money back with interest which is 160 million dollars or something Hmm. and they're all broke because they've all gone out and splurged all their well not all of them but a lot of them have gone out and splurged Hmm. all their money so they have to come up with a heist Mm mhm they're given a month and they're given a month to essentially get the money to pay him back and they plan to steal a Fabergé egg well well there's this weird plot where they're stealing just a safe in Amsterdam but that's their initial one but they acknowledge that that's only two million so I don't even know whether so they were going to do lots of little heists I think to get him I mean this was going to take like two weeks to plan and then yeah so the subplot, the subplot turns out that there's another thief who is excellent at Yeah, he's kind thievery. of like a male cat woman. Yeah, uh, a cat burglar. And kind of like a night he, fox or something. A night fox. He is disgusted when his, I don't know, protege or something says Danny Ocean is the best thief in the world. And so he gets Danny Ocean. He says, we both have to try and steal this egg. And if you win, I'll pay off your debt. Yeah. And if I win, you say I'm great or something. What is what is the forfeit? He must have more than that. Or is it just that he's I like? It's just like, just like well, okay. I'm the best. So it's kind of a like a win-win for not win-win, but like, Dan, why would Danny say no? Anyway. Uh, so anyway, they arranged the heist, and it turns out that Danny was in on the whole plot to screw him over. Yeah, well, the whole film is basically just the, the, the ocean. This is the problem with this film. There's a whole thing, and it's all leading up to this thing, theft and of the Fabergé egg, and they do it all, and then they realize that, or, you know, then you think that the other guy's got the egg. And then right at the end, they show you all this backstory off screen. From, like, before from, any of this From before happened. it all happened, which showed you that they had kind of plotted to set this guy up to steal the egg to kind of I don't know to frame him or something <laughs> set him up to steal the egg even though they were going to have stolen the egg beforehand 
just so he would clear the debt. Yeah, your ma- so your man's protege actually was much closer to Danny than your man realized. And he yeah. obviously gave Danny, oh, th- there's going to be this uh, race to steal the egg. Um, and he gave him the heads up. So Danny ended up stealing it way beforehand. And then all the kind of hijinks that we see that take up the majority of the film involving the most the most stupid embarrassing awkward scene where the character of Tess dresses up as who is Julia Roberts dresses up to look like Julia Roberts it's just so stupid it's just I actually think it is the worst plot point I've in a film that I can think of, yeah, it really takes you. It's like it takes you out of the movie. It totally takes you out. Of it. And then, then you kind of, I find myself daydreaming, being like, so this universe has Julia Roberts, and we bump into Ben, not Ben, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis, because why not? Who recognizes so, her? Who recognizes her? But doesn't recognize, even though they established that Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis are best buds so much that his he left his kid's toy in her car last week he still doesn't like instantly know like this is how like Tess is they are literally clones of each other and so in this universe Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis exists but I guess Brad Pitt doesn't and George Clooney and Matt I mean this is a star and Al Pacino (laughs) like in this universe who did Julia Roberts star in with them in the Mexican well Al Pacino's in the third one well I mean in the universe who did in this universe who did Julia Roberts co-star in the Mexican with with Brad Pitt in real life. Oh right. <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? Uh yeah. It's just silly. It is silly. It's just silly. Um, they seem to do that in this maybe not in the third one, but in the first one as well. There's Topher Grace, there's Joshua Jackson, there's yeah, and a couple of others. And they're yeah. all sitting around playing poker playing them playing themselves with Brad Pitt, who's not Brad Pitt. <laughs> he was like <laughs> a smidge more famous than yeah. Blumentofer Grace I think that works a little bit better because I feel like that's more of to- that's more of a wink wink nudge nudge they never say Topher Grace and it, uh, and they're all like C-list early noughties television stars like is your woman from Charmed your man from Seventh Heaven your man from yeah. Once and Again but why why is it like to give like, I, they do it in that and they do it in the Ocean's 12 with the whole Julia Roberts thing and Bruce Willis is it to give it an an element of realism or is it to be sort of coy with the audience going you know look Uh, I don't think it's as I think in the first one if you didn't really know who any of those actors were Joshua Jackson's pretty famous I know he was really famous and and Topher Grace was just in the 70s show around that time yeah all those people were like big TV stars Charmed the girl was Holly something from Charmed and then you got Joshua Jackson from Dawson Street your man from 7th Heaven but I think there's also a load of other people uh, because when I was watching the credits there's a load of other people which say I mean that we probably didn't know we haven't come to Ocean's 8 yet but I mean the exact same thing happens at the Met Gala where you suddenly see Julianne more and you're like oh okay I guess Julian Moore in this universe is famous but San, ha- yeah Sandra Bullock oh well Dan Hathaway yeah. <laughs> well, whatever character she's playing is famous but Sandra Bullock isn't but I think I, I, I why, why I give the whole Topher Grace thing a bit of a pass is because first of all I feel like those celebrities are kind of a different caliber they're more they were kind of the the young TV ingenues uh, of the day 
and they and the film never rubbed it in your face it was more like they called them by first name they they called josh and holly they didn't say like oh my god this is topher grace of that 70s show it, it was more like like my mother wouldn't know that if my mum watched that from sorry mum <laughs> if my mum watched that scene she wouldn't realize that they're all meant to be but that's fine but the the question is still why at all because i think that's meant to be like oh they're they're taking advantage of these celebrities they're taking okay but uh, so i think that's and it, it, taking advantage of them by having them in the movie and in uh-huh. the actual movie. Yeah, I mean, they become they're kind of little cameos. But I think that's one thing. And also, they're not. it's not as meta as the second one because you have this character, Tess, pretending to be Julia Roberts. Yeah. It's not an actor pretending to be Topher Grace. I think maybe they did it in the first one and then they tried to build on that in the second one and then it just was yeah, awful. It's just, yeah. It just didn't work. It didn't work. Um, and, and then you find it and they all get arrested and then you find it, it doesn't matter because Matt Damon Matt Damon's they've all mom, stolen the thing anyway. and they've stolen it anyway and, and then yeah. you kind of realise the last 40 minutes of the film is pointless is pointless and they didn't need to call Julie Roberts they could have just left her yeah. at home and not gotten given her a lot of stress I, I, another thing she's, she stuffs a pillow up her belly so was Julia Roberts like just like in the early stages of pregnancy and like aware that when this film came out she would be heavily pregnant because she clearly wasn't pregnant when she made this film what? <laughs> Tess sticks a pillow of her dress yeah. to pretend she's pregnant. Right. So was Julia Roberts pregnant by the time when this film was released? And when they filmed it, they were like, "Wait, you're two months pregnant. You don't look pregnant. But by the time this is released, you're going to be heavily pregnant. So we'll make it look like this is heavily pregnant current day Julia Roberts. Why make her pregnant otherwise? Well, I can't remember exactly. Was Julia Roberts maybe not in the world meant to be pregnant? I mean, it just seems like a, it just seems like a weird knows. choice to like make tests. Look. I'm sure they mention it. I'm sure there's a reason why. Could they say like, "Oh, isn't she pregnant?" or something? Of course they do. But I'm wondering, in real life, was Julia Roberts when they made this film? Was she like, "Oh, I'm two months pregnant"? Yeah, go me. And but when this film is released in seven months' time, I'm going to be nine months pregnant or whatever. I'm going to be looking. I'm about to pop. Let's. Oh yeah, I include don't know. that into the film, which is a dangerous game. <laughs> uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But we do get a real f- a fun dance scene, a really cool. Yeah, your man, the cat burglar, has an. Um, it's my favorite scene in the film. Yeah, is he, when and he, you were saying he was the the main coach in Black Swan, so yeah, he must be he, a dancer. He must be a dancer, a French yeah. actor. Yeah, he does like a bit of capoeira across it's the floor of lasers. Incredible scene, yeah. and the music for that is wonderful. Yeah, it's it's the best scene in the film. We also have Catherine Zeta Jones in that film. Yeah. Which is a welcome female presence. And uh, her whole thing is that she's got daddy issues. She got daddy issues, and it turns out her dad is the, the big. Yeah. Who you never see his face, interestingly. No, kind of like Charlie. Yeah. Charlie's Angels. Kind of like that. But he was the guy who set up Danny to beat this other fella. Yeah. And she has. She. He left when. Catherine Zeta Jones was young and she has no even though she's a member of Interpol and has worked her whole career upholding the law she has no qualms in breaking it well it's almost like when her dad left her she was like I'm going to spend my entire career fighting crime because my dad was a robber and I'm going to take my daddy down or whatever and then he's like oh no I wanted to see you and then she's like oh throw away my career core my dreams daddy and I'll now forgive my sexy robber boyfriend (laughs) yeah 
so Ocean's who does he, she end up with? Like she, she well, she's at the party at the end with all the the, the Is crew. Is she with any of the guys? With any she's of the main cast? Brad Pitt. That's her boyfriend. Oh yeah, sorry. At the start, yeah. So he jumps out the window. But uh, she's they, not uh, in the third. Oh, in the third one, they say no. She just they yeah, just they just, just not no, she, she, they don't even, not involved. They don't even mention Julia Roberts in the third one. They, they just mention like, them both actually. Do they together? They say. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> Let's <laughs> have one sentence to yeah. wipe away our Pretty two much. female it's, characters. It's a, they say, they say, where's Tess and whatever Catherine Zeta Jones' name is, and they say this isn't their fight or something. Oh for goodness, because they're they're there for Reuben or something. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, how useful would that character have been on the team? Like Tess was just a trophy wife, really. Uh, at least, but she knew all the tricks. Tess. Oh, sorry, no, not no, Tess, Tess was just a trophy wife. Yeah. Catherine Zeta Jones, had she literally become a, a thief, would have been an incredible asset to the team for Ocean's 13, had they any of it. But I can't, I'd say they asked her, and Catherine just wasn't interested. I wonder if they asked uh, Julia. Yeah, I'd say they did. Well. I'd say so. I heard a little piece of trivia okay. way back years ago when these movies first came out, and. Julia Roberts at the time would have been one of the best paid actresses mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Um, yeah. And there was some, I don't know if it was rumor or confirmed or whatever, uh, that she earned $20 million a movie. Mm-hmm. And so when she was cast, George Clooney and Brad Pitt sent her a letter with $20 in it uh, with a note saying, we hear you get paid 20 for per movie or something. <laughs> Oh, those rascals. Those rascally rascals. <laughs> this is 2001, and she had literally just won her Oscar when this came out, so Julia Roberts was hot stuff. So Ocean's 13 comes out in 2007, and we complete the trilogy. Um, are we going to wrap up? Are we going to leave it that, Con? I think we'll leave it there, and then for another 10 years, and then... What happens? Years. Years. So they're like, right, we've made three films, they've been very successful, but we've noticed that lots of the characters are boys. Why don't we make an Ocean's film with all girls? This is kind of this had been kind of a trend which had been quite controversial. Like there had been an all-female Ghostbusters made the year previous. And um, when they announced there was an all-female Ghostbusters, like all the cast got like Email death threats, death and stuff. threats, morons. Yeah, um, and it's really unfortunate. The Ghostbusters film wasn't that great. I I think I enjoyed it. I enjoyed I it because Kristen Wiig is just Kristen Wiig. Is uh, I enjoy. Adorable. I enjoy not Amy Schumer. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, and I thought uh, Chris Hemsworth was pretty funny yeah. in it. Yeah. and I like Leslie. Oh, what's her surname? I liked her as well. Uh, no, I th- it's fine. I, I think all the cast were charming. I just think the script was kind of meh. And I, I, my thoughts on the Ocean's franchise is that it's just so masculine. And then they make an entire female cast. And it's like, maybe they could just make the cast with, you know, equal bal- representation. That being said, I, I think Ocean's 8 is really enjoyable. I thought it was actually it's my really favorite. fun. Uh, yeah. Apart from, uh, I've got a hair in my mouth. I think it's my favorite uh, after Ocean's 11 I think Ocean's 12 and Ocean's 13 is a bit too many plates spinning in the air and it gets a little bit messy Ocean's 8 is very fluffy it is and actually it's all about a, a woman scorned getting her revenge on a, on a boyfriend yeah though I don't I think she's more scorned that he, she she sold him out and got her in jail rather than that he dumped her to be fair well oh yeah well yeah oh yeah 
he uh, so they they were they were auctioning works of art and making false bids to push up the price and were found out and he got off and sold her out and she went to jail yeah, yeah. so i mean it's essentially a remake except it's, it's with a slightly different height okay so let's instead of george clooney you got sandra bullock yeah, yeah. instead Who of brad george clooney's sister, sister hence why they can still go those and had they open it on the it's a, a almost shot for shot yeah but it's same. also opened on the premise that uh, george clooney is dead yeah i think they're leaving that in the air and yeah. i think maybe if there's a sequel okay so you got sandra bullock who's, who's george clooney then you got kate blanchett who's clearly uh, rusty yeah uh, brad brad pitt. Pitt. she's essentially brad pitt then you got rihanna who's the computer hacker who's kind of like the livingston yeah. and then you got and then after that they get they don't they're not quite as i don't think there's a matt Dill, a matt damon they don't have the same parallels roles. no yeah you got Anne hathaway's like this actress who turns the crime because she hasn't got friends yeah, that's a bit of a stretch, really. Yeah. So she's been working for this... What's she working for? Like an art gallery or something? Or what is it? No, Anne Hathaway's just a, a Hollywood art star. She's like an actress. She's the one who's wearing the night. Is she an actress? I thought she I thought she was... Anyway, she's she's famous in Hollywood anyway. Whatever. Anne Hathaway is hamming it up. And I quite like that she's hamming it up. At first I was a bit... Ugh, but I kind of enjoyed it then. It's a bit silly that she kind of just totally abandons any sort of... <laughs> principles that she might have and just go oh yeah okay let's let's rob shit because you'll be my girlfriend that's essentially it yeah then you got um oh what's that actress's name she was in the farewell oh yeah we got aquafina who plays the pickpocket i guess she's kind of like the matt damon the asian girl then you got rihanna then you got the diamond lady then you got selena bone carter who decides to be irish for some reason which actually she kind of does an okay irish accent some of the time shaky shaky sometimes but people struggle with it yeah it wasn't i I find it it wasn't top of the morning to you it was like a south dublin yeah accent and the film is very fluffy to be honest i find it forgettable to it's a forgettable certain, to an extent because i'm trying to i'm struggling to remember everybody who's in it and when you're saying them i'm like oh yeah that was that one and i can really only remember a couple of scenes you know a couple of key scenes from it and we only watched this maybe two or three weeks ago so mm. yeah forgettable the I, I, asian guy from the oceans movie does make a short cameo yes uh, he gets past some security thing or something. I mean, it's literally it's the exact same pacing as Ocean's Eleven, in that there's kind of the Act Two twist where you find out <gasps> Sandra Bullock has personal stakes in this heist, and mm. the Rusty slash Kate Blanchett character is like, "You have not, personal stakes. You have in personal stakes. I don't think this is cool." And then Sandra Bullock slash George Clooney is like, "Hey, don't worry about it." And Kate Blanchett slash Brad Pitt is like, "Oh, okay." And then at the very end, they're like, "Oh no." We didn't, we, we've hit a hitch. But then George Clooney and Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt turn to the camera and they're like, oh, don't be silly. We thought about this before. And then you find out what they thought about before. And then everyone's like, yay, let's be rich forever. My God, they should just make oceans with like all those characters you just mentioned. They did. It'd be like Twice. <laughs> oceans 35. Yeah. So that's Oceans uh, 8. And that's the end of them. No more. Yeah, but we haven't talked about Ocean's Eleven yet. <laughs> it's your turn to do a... Oh, it's my turn to do the Jesus Christ. I think this is going to be really tough. I think you're going to have to be selective 
I to leave out a lot of shit. Yeah, so I have my phone here. Do you want to do it? Three, two, one. Okay, so we're introduced to Danny Ocean, who's in prison. He's just spent four years in prison and he's getting out. He gets out of prison and he was in prison for stealing. He meets up with his friend Rusty, who's played by Brad Pitt, and he says, oh, I want to knock over these three big casinos. And he goes, who owns those casinos? It's Terry Benedict. And he's like, that's weird. Why do you want to do that? They go to their friend Ruben, who's not really interested. He's kind of at retirement age, uh, but they end up convincing him to knock over these three casinos at the same time. They start forming a team uh, and they get lots of different people with lots of different skills to join this team to knock over the the casinos and they're reckoning they're going to get about 150 million. Uh, they build, uh, they build a, a fake vault where they are practicing their heist in this big fake vault because there's lots of security and lots of different things. Um, meanwhile, Danny Ocean, the main guy, goes and visits his ex-wife who it turns out is with Terry Benedict. Your man, uh, Brad Pitt, finds out and he's like, oh, wait, hold a second, you've made this personal. And she's like, no, I haven't. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. Yes, I have. Um, and Terry Benedict finds out that Danny Ocean is in his casino and that he's trying to win back his wife. They uh, run into a few different problems with the heist and getting past security. So they send in Saul, who goes in and says, I have a package and I need you to bring it to your very secure vault. So they do that for him because he's a very wealthy person. And they sneak in an Asian, little Asian fella. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don Cheadle goes off and gets like an EMP pulse. They set that off. The security goes off in the casino and they get their way into the vault. The Asian guy lets them in. Um, Meanwhile, Terry Benedict has picked up that uh, Danny Ocean is uh, chatting up his wife and has locked him in a room, but he's gotten out and he's helping them with it. Um, They get the money. Uh, Terry Benedict finds out what they're doing, calls the police. The police turn up and come in in SWAT cars and uh, are like, oh no, bang, bang, bang. Uh, uh, they blow up the money and uh, make off. It turns out, though, that um, they realized that Terry Bennett was going to call the police, so they got out beforehand, rigged the cameras, uh, turned up in SWAT gear, went in, pretended to um, shoot each other, and made off in SWAT gear with the money. Uh, George Clooney gets out of this room that he's locked in and says, oh, hey, I'll get you your money back. But if I give you an ultimatum between Tess and your money, who are you going to pick? And Terry Bending's like, oh, I'd pick the money. Tess finds out because he's on the cameras and he loses Tess. Danny Ocean gets Tess, although he goes to prison for a little while. And they all get make off the money and that's about it. That was excellent, Connor. Thank you very much. That was... I'd say perfect. Thank oh perfect. Oh god, tell me more. But that was massage my ego. That was a really there was a lot of obviously there was I don't think you said every single thing, but I think what you put in it is all the essential elements. I think it was really, really good. Yeah, Did you just read the Wikipedia? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> that was off off the top of my head. And the reason I probably got through it all is because I forget most of it. <laughs> maybe that's the maybe we said that's the thing. <laughs> um, we watched this when we were really hungover and I was like, oh staring at the TV going, jeez. I'm never going to remember any of this. This is like a real kind of cl- a classic solid plot. You, you, you got your you got your Danny Ocean. We have a Danny Ocean who's George Clooney. This is your gentleman thief. He's as gentleman he's as suave thief as, as George Clooney. Should be. This was after. Was this after or before Batman? After. So he needed something to come he, back from. This, I, now, so okay, so George Clooney, he was a big TV actor. Eeyore. Eeyore. 
And I never watched Igor, but my parents did. And I was aware like the donkey. of... What? Sound like the donkey. I sound like the donkey. When you say Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> I was aware of Doug, Dr. Doug. Is that his name? I, I think so. It was just, even though I didn't watch him, it was a bit like, you know, like... Um, there's some characters even if you don't watch the TV show you're aware of the character like in yeah I mean I would never have been a huge Eeyore fan I, I remember watching it definitely watched a few a good few episodes uh, I remember the young one who I can't remember his name now. I don't know anyone except they were in Doug. actually do you know what George Clooney and this guy were in Friends it's Doctors yes yes they were uh, were they playing their Eeyore characters I don't know if they were the same names as their Eeyore characters but you know they were in Eeyore at the time yeah, so so you're starting to sound funny to me. You're, so Er 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 He was in that T V show called Er and I it, the wine's it, kicking it, just, in. it just seemed like <laughs> this actor had something quite he was he was bigger than the show. Was he in anything before this? Before you were, or was that his? That was his main kind of break. I think that was his first, certainly his big. But but he did. He played. He he stayed in Eeyore up till like two thousand, maintaining a bit like Jennifer Aniston. She had mm. films before she left Friends. Friends, but she stayed in Friends and stuff. So he kind. Of, I, I think. Why would ba- you leave? Steady why job? would you? Why would you leave? But I I believe Batman was the same. I don't think he had left Eeyore uh, okay. when he did Batman, and he also um, he the Perfect Storm. Oh, yeah. That was the first film. That was ninety-seven ish. Yeah, and that was the first film I saw him in. George Clooney became very famous and popular, and every and I don't know if it's because of his acting ability, which, in my opinion, I would say is limited, or just because he's considered this really handsome, suave person. He's the kind of he's the guy that your mum fancies, isn't he? Yeah, I never fancied him. No, he's not your type at all. No. That's because he's. Oh, our Art. dog just barked in her sleep in the next room. <laughs> we just heard a little... I, I just looked outside because it was quite a loud one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's the type of, like, he's he's like a... He's been a silver fox since he's 30. Yeah, because I'm, like, I'm thinking, like, he's in his, what, 60s now? He's 59. 59, and Eeyore then was 30 years ago, so he would have been... He was already... 29, <laughs> he was younger than us, and he was still looked much older. I, I, I Maybe not if you look uh, back that's now, not but... true. <laughs> he just had grey hair. That's it. Well... Just he had a maybe he has a wizened face. He didn't have a he had a, a very nice face, but he had, he just had an old he had the silver tresses and he had, he had wise eyes. That was it, Connor. That's what I'm saying. He had wise wizened. eyes. Actually, I think his first film was that um, film with Quentin Tarantino, Dusk Till Dawn. Oh yeah, because yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that and being he was Quentin Tarantino's brother in that film, and I remember even as a child being like, "Ooh, those He's, those yeah. jeans went two different ways." <laughs> Somebody um, got the, the short end of the story. I am the same as you, though. Even though I can see that George Clooney is a beautiful man, he wouldn't do much for anything for me. No, it's weird. No, isn't it? no. And I kind of agree. I think I I think he's a very steady actor, but I think he he has what he does, and that's what he does. I've he's, never seen him be. Maybe I'm wrong. I just maybe I just don't know that many George Clooney movies. But he's never been in a really dramatic, heart wrenching scene that brings you to tears or that really moves you or like I just find him or like I can't even think where he was like 
particularly angry, shouting, screaming. Well, he he kind of has this kind of calmness in his roles, Calm, doesn't he? Quiet, confident. Yeah. Yeah. This cool, cool, Chris. Uh, he has an Oscar for, um, for uh, Syriana. Syriana? Syriana, yeah. I don't think I've ever I've seen, seen it. I've never seen it either. No. But, but I imagine my like, instinct that's, a, that's is, an army movie, isn't it? I, mean, I, I can't imagine them in the kind of a. Al Pacino yeah. a lot of no like high energy yeah. role he also he was in Up in the Air he was nominated for an Oscar for that which I never saw with Anna that Kendrick that was with Anna Kendrick yeah, is he who good was light? in Pitch Perfect Twilight <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't actually seen that he was nominated I, for The Descendants as well I've never seen that god he's been nominated a good few times yeah he he also won an Oscar for Argo, but for producer. That's a yeah. I mean, ah yeah, <laughs> they won Best Picture. You got the Oscar. Ah, you put the, you get money for putting the money up. No, no, they're not executive. The producer is like no, they're on the hands on set making sure. Okay, I have something to say about producers later. But let you go on say. I don't want to interrupt you. It's because you don't want to be too dominant. Don't want to be too dominant. <laughs> We recently, a friend of ours was uh, a recent listener, recent, recently started listening to the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. And said that he felt that Paul was the dominant one in the podcast. Cause, was uh, he talking about the podcast or just talking about real life? Just, uh, just our relationship. Just our relationship. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's probably because you, you do more research and have more to say than I do. I just watch them and turn up and talk model. <laughs> anyway. No, actually, I'd like to see uh, Up in the Air. Uh, my mum loved it. I think she might have been nominated. She was, too. yeah, yeah, supporting. Which I was surprised about because I knew her from Twilight. That was one of her earlier roles. It was straight after Twilight, I think. Yeah, and then she got nominated for an Oscar. I mean, she's she's in plenty. Did the have you seen the Descendants? That's the film where he's a divorcee, and oh, I have not seen that either. I really haven't seen I think that many. We have to brush up on our. We George need to Clooney. brush up on our George Clooney. Yeah. On okay. Our, on our GC. On our GC. And now he's in coffee ads. Now he's in, yeah, Nespresso ads. And say? being what very calm and collected and... Yeah, just being... Uh, I'm surprised he's never been a James Bond. I could see him being a James Bond. He's a bit, he's a bit long in the tooth now. Except that he's... American? American. I mean, I think it would be fine, but... I think James Bond needs to be a bit of an unknown. Not an unknown, but needs to be an up-and-comer when he's cast. You can't have an established... No, he's too star. long in the tooth now. But he could... You mm. know what he could play? He could play... Uh, he would be a good Bond, actually. He could play an, an an older American CIA agent or something. Or yeah, although he's not really a supporting now, is he? Or maybe, yeah. He hasn't been in a leading. Like, I'm just looking at his like recent. But no, he's because he's in Coffee Hands. He hasn't been in a film since 2016. He got married around that time, didn't he? Mm, it's a human rights lawyer. <laughs> She's an Italian, right? Yeah. And uh, in a local Italian newspaper, their headline was a human rights lawyer, whatever her name is, marries actor. Yeah. No, just marries, marries American actor. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Yeah, she's done more for the world, to be fair. Oh, I thought it was the... No, like every other newspaper in the world was like, George Clooney really marries, marries this, this, act, yeah. this lady. And they were like, no, human rights lawyer marries well, also, American That was actor. in Italy. Yeah, well, I mean, it was her hometown, but like, whatever. It's just, I just think it's, obviously, even there, George Clooney is probably more. I famous. think I, see, I saw him on uh, Graham Norton talking about it and how you know how much she's done for human rights and all, and he's just kind of 
gone on and he's like spoken on camera pretended yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of oscars though nominations uh, he uh, for different categories because he's directed he's like like he's a talented man like he's done mm. a lot of stuff just going back to we're kind of going off a little bit here but i'm just curious about this he won an oscar for being a producer right okay now from what i understand a producer is a busy job you basically make sure everyone on set is doing what they're meant to be doing and you you do your job so the director can concentrate on the movie right Mm. right so you're organizing shit yeah but when a film wins best picture goes to to the the producer is the person who goes up and makes the speech the producers put the money up generally yeah but i mean you know we often say like like you often like they they hire the director well, a lot of the time, it's the director's vision, and it's the director. Well, it is always. Well, no, but they, but but that's what they're hired to do. <laughs> yeah, I just, do you know, when you say like John, Car- you often say like all oh, John Carpenter's films have John Carpenter's Halloween. John, yeah, Car- yeah. like imagine, I don't know who produced Halloween. He might have done it as well. But imagine like John Carpenter's Halloween, and then you know, Mister Blue Shirt comes away saying, "No, oh, thank you for this Oscar." And John Carpenter's like, "Well, he has John Carpenter's because he's written the story and directed." I know, I know, I know. I just think that's. But, I wonder the directors if they don't win the best director Oscar and then the big Oscar of the night goes to some financier. But it's like the Phantom of the Opera. Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, puts all the money up. He uh, he's he wrote all well. the work to music and that. But he would hire a director, maybe, yeah, to okay, direct okay, it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but anyway. I was saying this film but I always you know <laughs> just, right. just yeah. on that I always got well still do to a certain extent get confused between the director and the executive sorry the producer and the executive producer because in normal businessy terms mm-hmm. like you have a director and you can have a non-executive director and an executive director and the executive director does the day-to-day work they execute the <laughs> yeah. mission of the company yeah and the director could be just somebody in the background to yeah. be on a board it or whatever to be reversed and it's reversed yeah from my understand i mean the word producer i mean we're producing a podcast it just means making you just produce something makes it so in film terms what i understand is it just the exec uh, they just kind of make sure everyone's doing their bit well an executive producer like george or, or martin is an executive producer on game of thrones so like he has to he signs off and everything he before like a story goes in or a shot goes in he has to say yeah that's okay but he isn't actually on set every day making sure people are doing what's what i wouldn't have th- yeah okay i wouldn't have thought the exec maybe no go on i would have thought that was more because george or or martin is like they're his books so he's got an artistic you know right to the to the material i suppose I thought the executive director, executive producer, producer, sorry, just put up money. No. So the producer goes and says, "I need well, a bit extra cash." Yeah. So will you? They may, they may, they may do, but that's not why they're called executive producer. The reason they put extra cash in is because they mean they need to have the last. The book has to stop with them. So before it actually goes to print, so they're like they'll they'll, they'll I go. That was the producer. No, so like they, so an executive producer might give a huge amount of money, and then when the film, when everything, when everything is ready, they'll then have to go to them to be like, well, are you okay with this product that you funded, going 
out into the world and they'll say no I want you to change this or no I want you to go back and refilm <laughs> well thing. I think it's probably before then but the money is just the, 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 the financing of money is so yeah. that they can get the final say but, but you know I don't think the final the final say is what makes him an executive producer not the, the money Oh, there you go. There's a little. I'd, yeah. So, uh, but, but oh, anyway, Ocean's Eleven. Oh yeah. yeah. So we Ocean's have this 11. movie, so, right? This movie, right? So you got you got, you got your Danny Ocean. He's a gentleman thief, Khan. He's a handsome man. Yeah. What are you laughing at? I'm laughing at because he just waffled on for a bit. Fifteen minutes about producers mm. and the Do you know producers. what? I reckon lots of people are like, I never knew what a producer was, and now know. they probably kind of know somewhere to explain it to yeah, us. Yeah, hopefully we're right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> George Clooney, you got <laughs> Danny Ocean. Yeah, I find it difficult. Oh I, was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, no, this is about the movie. Okay, I'm not diverting again. Divergent. Ooh, uh, what do you think? I was thinking before we started this um, podcast. Yes, like Silver Screamers or this? Particular no, this one? this episode. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, before we started this episode, I was thinking like our normal mo is that we go through the characters, but there's a lot of characters in this, but not a huge amount to say about them particularly. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think we can. We can. I mean. Like certainly the so like if you t- take Dan- Danny Ocean, Danny Ocean, suave, well, suave, criminal, out of prison, pissed off that his ex-wife's with this Terry Benedict fella, and he wants to do a big heist to set himself and his gang up for life, and arranges it, but lets his personal feelings get in the way to a certain extent. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I think I think the interesting things to talk about this film is more the the heist. Yeah, yeah. so. So you got Danny Ocean, <laughs> gentlemen. What I think, though, is <laughs> fuck off, <laughs> gentleman thief extraordinaire. Yes, yes. He's he's and he's out of jail, and he's been asked questions, and the woman's like, "Are you in a crime again?" And he's like, "Baby, you know I am. I know I am, but we're not gonna say it." Mm. And he and he's he's kind of like, "I was never charged," and she's like. Did you do them? And he's like, I was never charged. So he's very handsome and he gets out of jail and he meets probably one of the 10 other people in the world that are more handsome than him. Brad Pitt. Rusty. Who looks fabulous. Who just <laughs> looks so good. This is, I mean, I think, I think Brad Pitt still looks, I mean, so good. But this is peak Brad Pitt. This is... The only peaker... I would say <laughs> is maybe two films Seven and Fight Club Seven and Fight Club I mean which are in probably five years of this I think Seven was 96 and Fight Club was 98 yeah. and to be fair like uh, he's has his shirt off in Fight Club, Fight Club. Uh, I, I don't know I, I just I think he dresses he wears these he beautiful dresses so clothes cool. his clothes are, he, like even that <laughs> Karen was slacking me because he kept on saying <laughs> I was like, she looks fabulous <laughs> in the widow's episode. Um, no, but he does like he was wearing this. Uh, this is going to the next hour is going to be us fawning over Brad Pitt. He like he's wearing this. I can't remember if it's in the Ocean's Eleven or in one of them, but he's wearing this Mac, and it just it's fitted in perfectly. I would look like such a fucking knob wearing I know, you that bought Mac, it back and you did look like a knob. 
<laughs> it wasn't as nice on it was an expensive to be Mac fair well. to in my defense it looked cool on the website <laughs> it looked cool on and the i never wore it I, I wore it once you put it on and it looked like a bag on you it was much too big it was much mm. too big did you return that you had an awful look we we're, were talking about brad pitt and you had to don't worry about don't worry about brad pitt's mac did you, don't don't Mac? Did you return don't that worry. i gave it to a charity shop it was like really expensive oh, we're talking about brad pitt <laughs> brad pitt can afford those macs the thing is he just wore that like it was like it just looked so good on him and i just know that like i and you so and most of what us. What are you talking about? I mean, no, Khan would look like <laughs> freaking tools and that. Same in um, Seven, he wore like this kind of uh, trench coat thing, and it looked really. He looks like a fashion model. Yeah, he just looks like a fashion model. He's just so handsome, and it's not even that he just, he just he also it's not just that he's pure good looking. He has this like he just oozes charisma. In this movie, like he is a very diverse actor, and I've seen that. In these movies, very understated, very quiet. And I think calm this and is collected. an understated film. I mean, yeah. I think, and George Clooney and him are are both doing that, and they have wonderful friend chemistry. Like they're BFFs. They're basically a couple. Yeah. They're. Not, I don't. Do you remember I said there's like you wish? No, huh. no. I don't think there's any homoeroticism. Between the two of them at all, but they're I'm a couple. Just in your head. They're no, not in my head at all. No, no, but they are a couple insofar as they are. I actually think there's quite a bit of. Uh, they're brothers, kind of. Yes, but I actually think Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock. There's a bit of lesbian tension between those two. <laughs> lesbian. I get kind of. I get kind of. <laughs> I reckon they've spooned. They're like in a Miranda <laughs> But no, no, Brad Pitt and and and, uh, and George Clooney, they're just they're just bros. They're just like best buds. But they are they're absolutely a couple. Partners. But anyway, so you got you got Brad Pitt. <laughs> and you, you, and got, you got George Clooney. You got George Clooney. And they're just they they meet each other and then they're like they're bad boys. They're they're shifty, they're smart, they're handsome. And they're and, bad but good. Well, they're not. I think the essence of the gentleman criminal is that they're like totally unviolent. They would never want to hurt someone, and they wouldn't even want to steal from like a nice person. They want to steal from dickheads. Yeah. So, even like the first scene, you're not entirely sure though until the end that your man Ter- Terry Benedict is a dickhead or, or a really. Prick. Well, he owns a lot of casinos. There's nothing to suggest that he's that he's breaking the law or you know killing people or you know anything like that the at the end the only thing is that he says to them keep running because if i find you i'll kill you and also i'll i want the money instead of tess but I mean, the, he does get his new girlfriend's ex-husband in a room and is or like with no cameras and okay but that's the first up. thing which is like quite near the end of the movie yeah anyway. I, uh, I suppose andy garcia just kind of the same way that george clooney and brad pitt ooze kind of cool charisma he oozes oily dickhead <laughs> so even though his actions don't oily dickhead that sounds like chlamydia or something <laughs> like, i suppose he's a gangster why doesn't he let his kid tess kiss him in the like obviously the reason okay we're jumping a little bit here but do you know when you see tess and him in the gallery her gallery he doesn't let her kiss him on camera 
and, and and I feel the reason he's like, oh, everyone's watching, and then that's meant to kind of be payoff for when she sees him yeah, later yeah, on. Yeah. But why does he give a shit about people seeing him kiss his girlfriend? Surely he would like be proud of kissing this beautiful. I think possibly one of two things. Yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna say them? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just clearing my my airwaves. Airwaves. Uh, firstly, maybe he just doesn't like the idea that he's at work and he's the boss, and maybe doesn't like the idea of his staff seeing him being emotional with the, like that. Maybe um, I can understand that if I was in work and you came into like we were going for lunch or something. And, <laughs> yeah. Maybe because if there was like a tiger kidnapping or something and they knew they were together, they could like use that against him or something. I thought that, but also like any any criminal with like the slightest bit of research would figure out that Tess is his girlfriend. Um, but yeah. yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. So So anyway, so you got George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> and you got Rapid. And they're like, Hey, we're both handsome gentlemen criminals. There's a handsome Sleazeball, who owns three casinos. Just pause that for a second. What does he have? Three casinos? I feel like they rob one. They share they, just one vault. They share a vault. Okay. So they it seems es- excessive to say three, but okay. They established that the Bellagio and two others. I can't remember the others. What were the names of them? The Bellagio, like the Mermaid and the something. And the Triton. Yeah. Um, are all going to have huge reserves because it's fight night. Yeah. And then they have, by state law, says you have to reserve enough money in your vault to pay out all the chips. Yeah, okay. And the three casinos share one vault under the sea or something. So they're robbing the three casinos. I mean, for the, it sounds good to say three casinos, but for the plot, it, it might as well be one. Yeah. yeah. I think they must, because they must focus on one of the casinos, because they all they keep on talking about the Bellagio. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, all come yeah. out. And actually, trivia, the Bellagio, I think it actually was the Bellagio in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. They allowed them to tap into their CCTV to get real footage oh, of wow. the floor. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Data protection issues, but whatever. <laughs> so, okay, so so you got Brad Pitt and you got George Clooney and they assemble their their Robin Avengers. Yeah. Okay, so to do this, they'll need a bit of money. Yes. So they go to Ruben. So Ruben's their financier. Played by Elliot Gould. I know him as Monica and Ross's dad, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's so nice to see him in a big franchise acting among yeah, these. Yeah. Bi- and and he holds his own. I don't find I find him a bit, I don't know, bombastic, kind of over the top in his acting, I and not very real. And I don't, really, yeah, I just think he's. That's why I always do this, and you know. But do you not think I the don't character think he delivers the lines in it? Yeah. Do you not think the character himself is kind of meant to, like he's he's he is kind of a peer to Terry Benedict and Al Pacino character and so I think he owns casinos himself. Yeah. So I feel like he is part of this larger than life world. He has a big ego. He's probably not I mean, he obviously isn't a particularly nice person. So I kind of I think he yeah. I think he, he gets interested. He's not interested at the start when they're saying we want to do this. 
he only becomes interested when he finds out that they're Terry Benedict's places, which kind yeah, of suggests that he is a, a bit of a personal stakes there. Yeah, he's not Oscar nominee for that. Oh, for nineteen sixty nine, a film I've never heard of: Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. We'll have to yeah. brush up on our Elliot Gould. Is he any relation to um, Ellie Goulding? No, Paul, I don't think so. Okay. So, uh, Elliot Gould, uh, oh, and I, I said this before, I kind of get a bit of gay coding from him. Like he's, I don't He's really a bit of a dandy, with uh, smoking jackets and stuff. I really enjoy him on screen. I like how, how kind of campy he is and how gaudy he is. And yeah, I like him a lot. Um, okay, so then for some reason they contact Don't Virgil and Turk. I'm just doing this in order of the cast. Uh, Virgil and Turk Malloy, who are brothers Casey Affleck and Scott Can, and 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 these guys, I feel the film, if it needed to cut trim some fat, could have done it here. I think they are. They're kind of like comedy, comedy relief, comic relief, but they don't. They're not really funny. I mean, they're they kind of their their humor is just. We're brothers who keep fighting about silly brotherly stuff. The only scene I can really, each other. The only scene that comes to my head that I that I thought was anyway kind of cute was when they're doing twenty one quest when they're arguing when Matt Damon is in the back of the van. The back of the van. Is there yeah. any other scene that you think? Oh yeah, that was good. <laughs> and, the, and they argue, them. so they are charged with bringing the little. Asian dude in the vault could have been anyone yeah to or to to get him in and the way they do that is they go up dressed as uh, casino clerks and argue in front of the yeah the guy and say oh you stupid idiot you forgot your key card and then he gets somebody else in or you know I strongly feel that could have been any of them yeah it's it's not a it's not like I feel like I, I the rest of them bring skills and I, I just feel that in the second one, they, um, what do they do in the second one? <laughs> I'm just, sorry, in the, the third, third one, one, they the put it off one, the reviewer. In the third one, they are responsible for, yeah, for fucking his <laughs> night up. I think they do another kind of a, a misdirect in the second one. One, but I can't remember. I, I feel like what the film wants us to believe is that they, that they, they, they do you know the way he has a remote control Jeep? in the scene where we were first introduced to them. Oh, yeah. And then that, obviously, the jeep that gets away from the, the, from the, the heist then is yeah. remote control. But I feel like they could have easily just written that to be John, Don Cheadle because he's kind of a, a demolitions guy or mm. or Livingston. He's kind of the tech guy. I, I just felt, I kind of felt... I suppose, I suppose it's Ocean's Eleven. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I felt like if, if any of them was being used to bump up the... The numbers it was those two let's just say if i was don cheadle or if i was the amazing yen i would be like oh i'm sharing my share with uh morecambe wise one of them yeah yeah what do yeah. we think of casey affleck now, uh casey affleck won the oscar for M- manchester by the sea. sea i never saw that did you no, my, actually, my friend Michelle. It's only a few years old. By it. She thinks it's fantastic. He, I, he, he was cancelled. He wasn't even at the Oscars next year for for sexual, sexual assault or something. Assault or, or abuse, some sort of unsavory yeah. behavior. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. If I don't know if it better. So I don't want. I feel uncomfortable commenting because I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the film. Yeah, fair enough. It needed eleven, but I could have done without those two. 
Then you got hang Don on, Cheadle. Man. Don Cheadle as Basher. Tut tut, old chap. Oh, oh, oh I'm a London from. robber. <laughs> oh, I'm a gangster from the west side oh, of London. Oh, I'm gonna rob you, so I am. <laughs> you can't just keep making. <laughs> That's what he this? did. Yeah, I think his accent's pretty pe- weak. Uh, the, no, 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 not great. All right. I don't even know why he had to be from London. It the character did, it, was he absolutely did not need to be from London, and there was it was just unnecessary. I find Don Cheadle there's something kind of likable about him, and I always enjoy him on screen. On screen, but I keep hearing stories about him that make me feel like he's not a nice person, and that's making me like him a little less. Like how not nice? Grace Randolph, who we're big fans of on this podcast, she's a YouTuber. She said that she interviewed him once, and she just said he was extremely rude. And I would, she, she wouldn't be the. I, I, I trust Grace Randolph. She wouldn't be a sensationalist. She just said he was very unpleasant. And everybody has a bad day. Is it? Yeah, that, that I also think that's true. That's true. Um, I also heard this, and I um, on, this is on the IMDb trivia, which anyone can write so this could be wrong but that he wanted to be top billing on this film alongside Brad Pitt and George Clooney and uh, sorry Don I'm very I am actually quite fond of you but no. Brad Pitt and George Clooney you are not even in terms of your role in this film no that's ridiculous he's not a leading actor he's a supporting actor no, and maybe maybe that's a bit of his part of his gripe as he considers himself yeah, a leading actor and I actually think he, he, uh, he the only film I've ever seen him seen him be a leading role in is Hotel Rwanda have you seen that I have seen it a long time and um, he's remember. oh he's a magnificent in it and he's so good and I feel like my my fandom of Don Cheadle just stems from that film um, because he's not great in this. His accent's woeful. No. Uh, he's not. I like. He's good in the Avengers. He's, he's perfectly. Fine he's in Avengers. fine, but I, 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 he is kind of charismatic and quirky and funny in the Avengers. Is he? I I, I feel uh, like I remember in Iron Man when he's telling the story and you know that kind of the reaction. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate that they have a, a mature kind of not. Uh, he's not particularly handsome, and I, I, not in a massive way. He's not. He's not like. He's just ordinary looking, and I appreciate in, in amongst. This, this kind of cast of like beautiful people he, he does kind of hold his own but I also think in the Avengers there's so many just quirky gore, like lovely characters like Thor and Iron Man and Captain America and like Spider-Man I don't think he's as charismatic as any of them got a much smaller role than any of them uh, in the know. Avengers he probably has as much lines as Ant-Man and I think Paul Rudd. Maybe. Granted, Paul Rudd has had a film to establish his character. Yeah, I, I just I love him so much in Hotel Rwanda, and I just and I, I just haven't seen him in anything else. Has he got any Oscar nods? Or he was nominated for an Oscar for that. I'm not sure who he was beaten by. Hotel Rwanda is about two thousand and four. Hotel Rwanda also. Um, Forrest Whitaker. Maybe that's something else. Joaquin Phoenix. It's about the the Rwandan the genocide the genocide in Rwanda. Yeah, lovely Sunday Sunday afternoon viewing, which had its roots in data protection related issues. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So Don Cheadle is the the demolition guy. He's got he they he's uh, I do like his. I think he's got the best cold open from all the. So they they kind of have the Avengers assemble moment where you you got the 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 scene for each of the 
the yeah. crew and I think he's seen his, he's robbing a bank in, in England he's like alright we're gonna blow up this safe aren't we and then it blows up and then he gets arrested and then Brad Pitt like our boss just comes in being like flashes this badge to this police guy he's like get get your hands off get this Josephine guy, yeah. and the guy's like who's Josephine and he's like get her now <laughs> and your man is like I have to obey this handsome yeah. confident stranger and then he's like we have to get away and John Cheadle was like oh this is great oh get to escape so I do oh he's like um what's your man from Mary Poppins Dick Van Dyke Dick Van he's like he's like one step away from Dick Van Dyke which I kind of enjoy but I just think it's hilarious and uh, then there's an explosion which I was kind of like ooh Brad Pitt have you killed a few innocent police officers no 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 it was a distraction it was only a small explosion well I mean how do you know there's not the yeah. least person in the car <laughs> uh, but whatever it just it, and then they, and then they do this lovely they're walking and then they start do you know that kind of like they're running on the spot fast yeah and then yeah. it's cute it's cute and then they need a computer expert so they get Livingston Dell this is the sweaty guy he's the sweaty guy I have nothing and to he's say. been kind of working for the government oh I missed that. So he's working with, I think, the CIA or something. You know, he's in, he's in a van and they're looking at monitors and somebody goes to push something. He says, don't do that. Oh, you're right. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think he had a life of crime, got nabbed, and then maybe struck a deal to work with the, the CIA or something like that. Yeah. I worked with a guy. I, I went to school with a guy who was really good at computers and he to- his uh, supposed plan was to hack some government database or something, get arrested, and then when he was freed, he reckoned they would hire him. And I was like, why don't, you, a job? Just, why don't you just show off your skills? Why don't you just apply for a job? Like? Yeah, yeah. Then you got... Uh, Sha Obo Quinn as the amazing Yen, who is adorable. Adorable. Oh my <laughs> god, he's faces. No, I don't mean like. I just think he's got the most cute face. He's gorgeous. <laughs> Make it any better? <laughs> he's so adorable. Very so talented, so like agile, and <laughs> I love. Actually, we were bashing Don Cheadle a minute ago. He does something this film that I really appreciate because there's this ongoing joke throughout the whole franchise, which I really appreciate that he only speaks Chinese and everyone seems to understand yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And he says something in Chinese to Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt is like, "Good question." Well, this is what it, blah, 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 and it's a little, it's a, it's a funny little joke. But if you look at Don Cheadle, John Cheadle is sitting beside um, Yen in that scene, and he looks. When Brad Pitt answers without missing a beat in English to Yen's Chinese question, John Cheadle is like, what <laughs> the fuck is going on here? And I kind of, I like yeah. that. I, liked that that. Is, I wonder why they decided to, because I was trying to think, did they have subtitles during these movies? And I'm guessing not oh, because they, so. no, because they, everything he, so he'll say something and they'll say. Brad Pitt will repeat it. Will kind of repeat yeah, it. Well, yeah. that's a good question why you asked, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like and a politician yeah. to give himself time. Why do we need more money for schools? Well, that's a very good question why we need, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funnier without the subtitles. Really funny. I don't know why they decided to do it, but oh, all right. Right. I think it's cute. It's a little gimmick, but I it's think it's gimmick, cute. Yeah. It's cute. And he provides I like him in the third bit. one where he's trying to play this cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's person. great, actually. He's great. And he provides uh, a nice little bit of action. 
not action, yeah. but um, yeah, action, physical yeah, tension, drama, physical yes. drama. Yes, yeah. yes, which which the film doesn't really have. He has to get. Oh God! He has to squeeze himself, legs up, head on the knees, bum in, down, bum down into this metal tube, uh, which is a safe apparently, and they give him oxygen. Awful! And he's got thirty minutes or he'll suffocate. Yeah, and oh. he has to, and and like when he's trying to get out, he's like so, trying to hop out. Yeah, he's, he's like, kind of moving. How does he? I have a few questions about that scene. How does he know when the time is to get out? Does he have a little microphone in his ear or something? I, I don't know. Or a timer or something? I don't know. They never really say. No, they can't talk to him because they can't... There's no secret down there. They can't tell him that the briefcase has been put on. Yes. So how does he know when the time is? He just kind of senses he hasn't Maybe moved he has a in a while. Or Another question... Maybe I he had. ran out of air and he said, well, fuck it, I better try. <laughs> Another question I have about that whole scene. So the briefcase is on his... They leave Saul... And we haven't talked about Saul. But they leave Saul's briefcase on top of his... Yes. So Saul... Okay, so just to put a bit of context. Okay. Saul has... Is a is a, an older man who's great at impersonations. He's a, he's a, he's a kind he's of an aging con, con man, man. Played by Carl Renner. Connor, who died last week. Last week? Last... He died uh, the 29th of June. Oh, moment silence for Carl Renner. Okay. That's so sad. Isn't... And like how this podcast was meant to be. Yes, yeah. he, and, and, I actually, and he didn't have the chance to listen to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, he lived to ninety-eight. He had a oh, fair play. I mean, he, he probably could have done better. Well, he looked old in this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is nearly twenty years ago, 20, 19 years ago. Yeah. He he's an, old, an aging con man, fan of greyhound racing. That's a proof of that. Greyhound racing is very is not a nice sport. Don't do greyhound racing. And, and he, they they get him to go into the hotel to play a wealthy. German apparently uh, like an arms dealer or something yeah or businessman anyway he convinces Al Pacino no not Al Pacino Terry Benedict Andy Andy Garcia Garcia. to allow him to store a briefcase in the main vault so Terry Benedict is saying no 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 I'll just store it in the house vault it's grand and he's like we all know that the house vault isn't very secure it's just like for brandy and stuff I want this in your best vault. And he goes, fine. They bring in the Asian dude into the vault, but then they unexpectedly put the briefcase on top of that. And the briefcase holds um, explosives. They look like jewels. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) All right. They, they, They look like emeralds, I suppose, but they're actually explosives, which the little Asian dude can put on the door. Ah. Then opens the door. Why didn't he just put them on his lap? In the little safe. Hmm? Why didn't he just put the little grenades on his own lap? Oh, I think maybe they maybe they would have been detected or something. I don't Why know. weren't they detected in the suitcase? Because they he had organized for these to go in. Alright, okay. Yeah, I, I, I just and there wasn't any space. I, I really like Carl Renner as Saul. I think, uh, and I think he maybe not so much in this film because. Well, what was your question with the? Yeah, okay, yeah. I'll come back to that. I'll come back to Saul in a second. So the reason why it's dangerous to have the suitcase on top of the safe is because if it hits the floor, it'll set off a floor sensor. Is that yeah. correct? What happens to that floor sensor? Because what, what I see 
uh, Yen jumping around, putting the explosives on the safe, and then it gets blown up, and then everyone just walks in. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that myself because he puts the so they cut off the power. Yeah, but that but the floor sensors come back on then obviously when the power comes back on and then he puts the explosives on the door they blow it up but then the floor sensors I think that's I think that might be just a little bit of a yeah another so so uh, Don Cheadle is like oh I got this electricity thing that will stop the old electricity of Las Vegas it's great so it is and then, Where are you from? Uh, well, last on Chill. Uh, uh, then, so, so so basically they get an electricity. An EMP. EMP. Is that a thing, by the way? Yeah. Really? An electromagnetic pulse. I can't imagine that. That's amazing. And then, I feel like they steal that a bit easily, but whatever. Well, they steal it from like a university or something. Yeah, but they like literally walk in the doors and then walk out again. Well, that's fine. But uh, they're robbing three massively secure casinos. They can get... I know, I know. I just, I think they just, they just didn't want to write another scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but whatever. So Matt Damon and then George Clooney... Go down the shaft. Okay, it's not abseiling. What would you call that? Like kind of zip line down or... What would you call yeah, that? Abseil. Yeah. Okay, abseil. They abseil down... And then they're they have to cut the the wires before the they have thirty seconds to get the zip down before the lasers come back on. Yeah. But unless their wires zip back up like a tape measure, well. yeah. the lasers would still be interfering. interfering with their wire. I think that I was thinking that as well, and I think the implication is when they cut the wire, they go. Whoop. Okay, and then the other question I had was, do you know the little mag- the things that they? This is something you obviously robbers have. They kind of like they, these magnets that they yeah. are they not electric? Would they not have like a like they're not just constantly attracted to metal? Otherwise, you couldn't walk anywhere with them. So do you Which not things the thing the, the the thing that attaches? To, so when they so when George Clooney and Matt Damon before they zip down the sha- the lift shaft, yeah. they attach these magnetic yeah things that are that they're going to zip down to the roof yeah but am i i I assume that they're magnets but they're not just constantly they're electrical magnets okay they're electrical magnets do you know what my next question is but the emp yeah so it only affects and i don't know if they are dangling there but if you're electric (laughs) it would be really funny if they're hanging (laughs) (laughs) um it only as far as I understand it, affects electrical devices if they're turned on when it goes off. Would they not be turned on? No, I don't know. I can't remember if they were actually dangling there and then... They, no, they, oh, they, they were, were literally there, about... Yeah. They literally... The electrical pulse went on and then they go... Yeah. So I don't know, maybe... Yeah. I mean, it's... I, I don't care. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not important. It it's just something that, that popped into my head. I find the high scene in this film... All the problems I had with the widow's heist scene, I have none of them with this. It's just, it's really satisfying. It's just yeah, it's, seeing it's, it's really, really confident thieves yeah. being, and coming up, and not just getting away with it scot-free. It would, be, it would have been funny if they if the EMP had gone off. The it would have been that. hilarious, but yeah. But yeah. they would have died. <laughs> um, the only person that we haven't mentioned so far is... Uh, uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> when I saw this, so it was kind of Matt Damon's early career, and my experience with Matt Damon was this film where he played kind of plays this bumbling guy, 
Goodwill Hunting. I don't think he's bumbling in this. Oh, not bumbling, but kind of he's n- kind of nervous. Uh, he, he doesn't. He's green. He doesn't green? have. Yeah, yeah, I think green is, is fair. He doesn't have the the suave anywhere near the suaveness of of, of Brad Pitt or George Clooney's no. characters. And he's my, not a mature thief. Like no. Uh, and the other films I had seen, Matt Damon. I mean, he's he's pretty much the same age as Brad Pitt, isn't he? No, no, no. He'd be about ten years younger. Yeah, Brad, um, Brad Pitt is about 52 and Brad Damon's about 45. Okay. But uh, the, when I saw, around this time, the films that I was familiar with Matt Damon in were, were this film, um, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Have you ever seen that? Yes, which is a very good movie. Oh, it's excellent. And Good Will Hunting. So in my head, I was like, well, Matt Damon is this kind of like bumbly nervousy kind of nerdy guy and then i i was heard, like that in goodwill hunting was he not like the the, the he was like a, well i know he was like a genius he's a genius but he's, he's a he genius not, but he was also a bit of a thug in that oh okay okay i actually don't remember that film at all i actually think maybe i haven't i don't even know if i've seen it and it could be just like my perce- <laughs> it could just be my perception of him in that film whatever this film and certainly the talent of mr ripley and i just had this perception of him as like kind of eddie redmayne type kind of like a nervy kind of thing. Mm. Uh, so then when I watched the first Bourne film I was like Matt Damon can't play an action hero and then I saw it and I was like oh Matt Damon has got range I think he's a really good actor Matt Damon has had such a great career I actually think the talented Mr. Ripley really showed off his acting ability oh he he wasn't nominated for an Oscar for that I don't think Mm. and that's mental he was so creepy oh he's so creepy Matt Damon is so he can play he could he could easily well, he's a bit young then but he could easily play the George Clooney Brad Pitt roles in this film no. and I, yes but I don't think Brad Pitt or George Clooney could play the Matt Damon roles ooh interesting I think Brad Pitt would give it a go he's don't George Clooney no but do you think Brad Pitt could play awkward so it's like how good that I mean the thing is Matt Damon I don't really think so in these films I think Matt Damon's grown into his looks but like Brad Pitt is so handsome how could he play someone that's not like effortlessly confident I know I think he could play I think if Brad Pitt could stretch to play ner- nerdy yeah I just when you look at Matt Damon's roles like in the behind the candelabra and the Martian and uh, even like he plays these little kind of tiny roles in um, that film Unsane that we saw oh, yeah. and he has a t- he has a bit part in interstellar I, I, he strikes me as somebody who will do you know he's not he's not he an do- ego no he's not an ego and he doesn't take big hollywood yeah. you know doesn't let it go to his head and he will do smaller projects and smaller little gigs yeah and i think that was evident as well when you know he he was posting on <clears throat> Instagram when he was in Dublin yeah. in his like tracksuit bottoms and stuff. He just no he just seems to be this top guy uh, who's also extremely talented. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a massive Matt Damon fan. I think he's. I love Matt Damon. Matt Damon. And you know Matt Damon thinks that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah Matt Damon. I, I do feel his character. Do you know when they were like, "Oh, we need we need another person"? I feel they could have done without him. Without Matt Damon. Now, what he does in this... Oh, my God, we haven't talked about Bernie Mac. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, we haven't talked about Bernie Mac. We haven't talked about the black guy. <laughs> I think... Well, we talked about Don Giddle as grand. Because <laughs> my favourite... One of my favourite scenes in this film is Matt Damon and Bernie Mac just being magical together. 
Which scene is that? The Bernie Mac. We, Bernie Mac's the inside man. Yeah, and yeah, Cotton. Yeah. He's the inside the Cotton. And Bernie Mac oozes charisma. He's just so watchable. Poor Bernie Mac. I, I Bernie know. Mac. I so know. Young. I don't. I, I don't. I feel like the only thing I've seen him in is um, Charlie's Angels. Apart from this, in Transformers, the first one. Okay. He's just. But so so he's the inside man, and he and then Matt Damon plays this kind of fake kind of investigator, uh, the kind of person for the Nevada Gaming Commission, and he uh, alerts uh, Andy Garcia, Terry Benedict, oh, yeah, yeah. Terry Benedict, that this character is uh, previous convictions, convictions, and they go in, and Matt Damon and Bernie Mac are just acting this totally false confrontation and it's it's just so really good really it's good, just yeah. Bernie Mac is like I don't, I'm not going to do an impression of him but he's like do you want me to smile for you yeah, do you want me to shine your shoes he's just so good and then Matt Damon is like playing this kind of pearl clutching like innocent the, the Nevada Gaming Commission always supports coloured <gasps> And then Bernie Mac dives at him. It's so, it's just kind of magic acting. I feel like in this movie, I I feel Bernie Mac is actually underused to a certain extent. Like he is the inside man. He does have a substantial enough role. I agree. But Bernie Mac is a big personality. I thought they could probably. Yeah. And he's, in the second film, he's bloody arrested in the first half an hour. And then you don't see him for the rest of the film. Um, yeah, I told, and it could have been maybe that was scheduling. I agree, and he's one of the first people that Danny recruits. Actually, they obviously have a history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have we gone? Have we said? It? Have we gone through all eleven now? <laughs> well, I feel Connor that we've been praising this film a lot. Right, I'm ready to bitch. We bit. didn't uh, talk about Andy Garcia much. Mm-hmm. Kind of alluded in. But he's good. Yeah, remember I said I was ready to bitch, bitch a bit. Oh, this is nothing to do with Julie Roberts. Julie Roberts, we've covered her before. Yes, Flatliners. I think Julie Roberts is grand. She's a she's a fine actress. She's grand. I think yeah. when she's she, she has her Oscar, she, she gets her twenty million. I think she does. I don't think she deserved it that year, but I think that was a great performance. Uh, I think um, Ellen Bergstein deserved it that year, but whatever. She was great in Aaron Brockovich and. She brings a lovely elegance to this film. When she's on screen, you're like, oh my God, we need a woman. This is lovely that we have some female representation. I feel kind of shitty saying this because I think every single person that we've mentioned in terms of the 11, they're all great. But my God, could they not have had some female representation on the 11? There's no reason why one of the, the brothers could have been a girl. There's no reason why the tech person Livingston could have, could have, couldn't have been a girl or why Saul could you imagine like, I, thought, I think Carl Rayner was amazing as Saul and I don't want him not on this film but like you could have had a, a, an, a, like an old golden girl type character <laughs> that would have worked there's no reason why that could have worked or why even Brad Pitt's character couldn't have been the Cate Blanchett character from Ocean's 8 why, why not have her be this kind of toughened lesbian who's been Danny Ocean's best lesbian friend they could have been I mean I suppose the I suppose because it was a remake of the 60s and Ocean's 11 was all male notwithstanding that they could have just changed it it didn't really have matter but um, again this is 
you know, we think the 2000s, we think very, you know, very modern, but it's still 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and all yeah. this kind of stuff that's coming out yeah. recently it, just didn't Nobody exist. would have, when this film nobody came out, nobody would have oh. So Tess, and, I, and I, what I'm about to say is, is quite harsh. And I feel for the character Tess, because like literally all the female representation lands on her shoulders. There, there's no one else to share the burden. So, you know, if if there was like 10, if, if four other of the 11 had been females, I wouldn't necessarily be as as um, harsh as I'm about to be. But Julia Roberts' character, Tess, is going out with Andy Garcia. Yeah. And she seems perfectly happy in the relationship. You know, when he doesn't kiss her in public, she's not like offended or whatever. And then anytime... Oh, she's a bit miffed. You can she's see. a bit like, hmm, okay. She's, she's not it's not she's not like affronted I don't feel like her character is like disgusted anyway Danny Ocean is clearly still nuts about her yeah and he approaches her a a couple of times throughout the film and she's always very no you made me cry yeah broke my heart broke my heart she didn't leave Danny Ocean for any misunderstanding she left him because he was a thief and he was unreliable. And he went to prison. Yeah. And he went to prison. And now she has this new partner, Andy Garcia, who, whatever. Bit of, yeah. Bit of a sleaze ball. Bit of a okay. but whatever. It's nothing. Her relationship with Andy Garcia has no correlation with her relationship with Danny Ocean. Anyway, she watches this video. She, she's she's kind of tri- uh, whatever. Brad Pitt gets her to watch this video of Andy Garcia saying, "Yes, I will." let go of Tess if you give me my 100 million now there is no I, I don't did Andy Garcia definitely mean that or was he at that point in time was he going to say anything to get his money back to be perfectly honest if I was watching that and you were there I would be like say yes say you'll take the fucking money I and I'll kind, meet you afterwards I mean it's not very romantic but I kind of think I'd be like yeah <laughs> I if you, if I thought you would give me up for that, definitely. But if I thought you would say it to a robber who had a gun to your head at that moment, I'd be like, fair enough. But I can I can totally appreciate her being like, you know what? He was going to dump me for his money. I'll leave him. That's fine. He doesn't need to run to George Clooney. She suddenly has this. 180 turn and she's like oh I'm not, I don't want Andy Garcia to my boyfriend to be my boyfriend I want it's no there's no kind of it's not like there's an option of you know what these are both not good for me I think maybe and you know this happens in movies you know uh, romantic you know swooping in and people making bad decisions about their love lives and you know happens in every all movies but I suppose she she maybe recognised that George Clooney had come and done all this to expose him to win her back, you know, and he was still madly in love with her and la 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 la. I and think maybe she yeah. found that romantic, and she obviously had a penchant for bad boys. Yeah, I think that's bad rich been. boys, mm-hmm. so bad handsome rich boys, bad handsome mm-hmm. rich boys. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're fair. I think that's the, I think that's a generous offering, but I do think it's worth saying that it is. Do, it do, I think the diversity of the eleven in terms of race is pretty good. You, you've got Asian, you've got uh, non-white characters, and also age. You got Saul, who's like an elderly man, mm-hmm. um, and you got also uh, Ruben, who's mature and stuff. And 
Uh, they kind of sort out the female representation in the second one to a certain extent with Catherine Zeta Jones, who's a strong, powerful woman. Yeah. But Again, also, they also give her daddy issues. Like her entire motivation is her father, which, which I, I, I see where you're coming from, but I, I, it's still problematic. And then the third film is diabolical. It's reverting back to the yeah. yeah and then the, and then the, and then with the fourth film, I appreciate and I I appreciate it. Isn't this great? We got a whole female cast, but at the same time, wouldn't it be lovely to have an oceans film with like Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett and well, maybe that's Carl the next. Renner. I think so. I hope so. And I, um, not Carl Reiner, sorry. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> It'll have to be Judy Dench or something. <laughs> I'm fine with that. But but the diversity of the uh, uh, if we ignore gender diversity, I, I think it's a nice diverse eleven in terms of the male <laughs> as diversity can be with a male cast. In terms of we have two black characters, we have an Asian character, and then the rest are. And then we also have some elderly characters elderly, as okay. well. And I I reckon. Um, uh, look, I feel Ruben kind of is quite is quite Jewish, and you think um, he's kind of camp. And I think I think he might be gay. Represent. So I think there's a there's a there's representation there. Okay. Post thesis statement. There's one thing about this in franchise I think just gets it pieces, and that's the soundtrack. The soundtrack is brilliant. It's yeah, for the entire franchise. It's really kind of and my one of the most beautiful crescendos of a film is when they've done the heist. They just stand, all the eleven stand by each other, and Claire de Lune plays. Oh, Claire de Lune, yeah, and it's with the waterfall, with water features, fountain. It's gorgeous, and when I when you when you look at Ocean's Eight, there's this fluffiness to that film and this kind of kind of like uh it's it's a popcorny film and oceans 11 doesn't have that and i think it's because of those lovely little it's 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 a more deftly crafted film with the claire de lume scene that there's a lovely there's there's a kind of the, the way uh, steve we didn't mention steven soderbergh he directs it in a kind of a shaky did he direct oceans eight no he directed the first three oceans and all three of those films have there's parts of it where it has a shaky cam and then it goes into black and white or there's a scene where it's kind of seen from an alternative angle and Ocean's 8 doesn't have that I don't think Ocean's 8 is very it's not as well directed it's not as slickly directed and cinematographic no the, the cinematography isn't as good and there's just I wonder if it's because and I wonder if there's an element of because it was all a female cast was it a bit was it the tempo or pacing or whatever was set slightly differently it's just, this, it's, then it's all male and they're all these suave criminals I think it was just it was directed by Gary Ross so I, I just don't think he was as good a director because we talked recently about Hustlers and Hustlers is an, all, is an all female cast and I think that film was just as kind of artistically directed as a film like Goodfellas but because it had a female cast it wasn't kind of raised to that level but Ocean's 8 I just don't think was given the same amount of care as the Ocean's Eleven films, because uh, yeah, I think Steven Soderbergh uh, did a did a pretty ace job. Get it? Oh my god, ace. aces! Oh. Okay, come on our list. Our second highest film. Where would you put it on our list? What do we think of overall enjoyability? Very enjoyable. 
Very enjoyable. I feel bad putting it above classics like Halloween and... I think this is a modern classic. I would maybe put it just under Halloween, maybe. Okay. I think the performances in this possibly are better. But I, I can understand that Halloween has kind of... I do think this is iconic. I don't think it's iconic, really. I do. I don't think so. I think it not is to a, Halloween levels. I think it's a it, it is a classic heist movie, but I don't think it's as I don't think it defined a period or a genre as much as Halloween. No, no, that's true. Um, the soundtrack. Yeah. Okay, I'm happy with that though. That's eight. Okay, cool. Okay, so. Ocean's Eleven, a very respectable eight. Respectable eight out of eighteen. Next, our next episode is going to be a little bit special. Ooh, it's number two for guest appearances. Yes, um, you better do it now. <laughs> yeah, he second better because I wouldn't have figured. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, we have a guest next week. We have our dear friend Ashwin, who has been listening. Oh, congratulations to my friend Jer and his uh, wife Ashling, who just delivered twins. They just had twins. Ah, congratulations, Jer and Ashling. Congratulations to you guys. Oh, <laughs> um, oh excuse me. Yeah, so Ashwin so. is our uh, very good friend who has been listening along, and we said, "Well, do you want to be on an episode?" And he said, "Yes." So we said, "Well, you know what? You give us two heist films that you would like to cover, and I'll pick one and come and pick the other, and whichever one wins, you can come on that episode." So, um, so we've kind of fixed it, but that's okay. It's our podcast. Fuck yeah. it, we can do what we like. Yeah. Oh, we fixed it for two. So, uh, Con, oh, you have your coin. Uh, my film. Is the Italian job from 1969? Michael Kine. Michael Kine. Michael Kine. What's yours? From 1969. 69. Oh, it's a good number. Ah. Uh, mine is Sneakers from 1992. Haven't, haven't a breeze. Frickin Thanks, Ash. Haven't a clue. So, right, uh, if it's shite, you can all thank Ash. <laughs> sneakers, as in sneakers. Like, like runners. Or to be sneaky. Oh, maybe? Okay. 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 I will go with heads. I'll go with tails. Well done. And what's that? Heads. 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 So sneakers. Heads would have been more appropriate for the Italian job, maybe. But in uh, 1969. Wait. But no, I won it. So it's sneakers from 1992. Oh, okay. So we're doing sneakers. So yeah, look, I've never, I don't even. Well, okay, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, I feel like this is the first film we've done that I haven't even heard of. Before yeah. one more thing, before we wrap up, can I have a little confession to make? Go on. You what? Well, it's not really a confession. I made a mistake in our your next episode on admission. <laughs> Uh, but you made a mistake too. We uh, both. I, ma- I, uh, I frequently make mistakes. We, we both made a mistake, but then I made it a second time when I edited the episode. And I was walking magic last week when I when I heard the episode, and I was like, "Whoop!" So I'm just gonna play you something. Hang on. This is Connor. And this is Paul. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Silver Screamers. Screamers. Your next. Okay, so here's here's the, the end of two episodes again. You're next. Let's just see if you can see any mistakes. This is there's nothing to erase. And the genre I've picked is, our theme is heist. 
Torin Kass. Heist movies. And if, if my toss-up wins, we are going to uh, feature a, my one of, if not my, probably not my favourite, but certainly one of the top three films of 2018, uh, which we brought on the cinema, which was Widows. Oh, which I, yeah, I really love by Steve McQueen. Okay. My uh, one is Disney Animated. Okay. Movies and Little Mermaid is oh, the first one. Okay. Which is 19... Keep listening. Keep listening. Okay. Okay. You pick heads or tails. I keep picking. I keep losing. What? So come on, widows. Is your choice heads? No, you pick. Because I keep picking. Okay, I'll go tails. You go okay. tails. Heads. Okay. Iced. Tails. Disney Animated. What? No, we're just idiots. <laughs> we literally go <laughs> heads, eyes, <laughs> it's tails, eyes. <laughs> I was just, I listened to the episode last week on a walk and I just burst out laughing. I was like, what? I can't believe all our fans did not tell us about this. <laughs> what were you all doing? This is because this was you psychologicalized me because you were like, I haven't done a thing in fucking ages. So then when it, we, we just threw it and on the ground and we said, yeah, you win. For fuck's sake. Our whole podcast is a lie. This is a, we should be doing Disney films, oh, but no. we're doing. <laughs> Does that mean I automatically win next time? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's fine. We'll just be fucking idiots again. And <laughs> anyway, the edge of that was funny. Yeah. I listened. I was like, yeah, oh, put that there. Anyway, listen. What are we tell tell the. Tell the fans about our social media. Visit our uh, website, www.silver-screamers.com. You can email us, silverscreamers at gmail.com. We're Twitter at Silver Screamers, Facebook, Silver Screamers Podcast, Instagram, Silver Screamers Podcast, and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and the Apple Podcast app on your phone. Give us a review, a comment, a tick, a like, and whatever else things do on social media and all the rest of it. Great. Roll the dice. I will just get it wrong anyway. Okay. Alright. That's Ocean's Eleven. Thanks guys for listening. See you later. Roll the dice. I'm a London from robber. <laughs> oh, I'm a gangster from the west side of oh, London. Oh, I'm gonna rob you, so I am. <laughs>